Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is a glimpse into the childhood of Jesus. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, pick up your knitting needles or crochet hooks, and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this is going to have already aired in church by the time it gets to the podcast. <laughs> yep. But where do we find this in the Bible? This particular story that we're going to be talking about today is a story that you can find in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. And it's a story that some folks may have heard little bits and parts of, but it's not a story that is so popular that people who aren't in church often may have heard. Okay. Unlike, for example, the Good Samaritan. Sure. Where even before, long before I was baptized, I had heard that story because there's enough cultural reference to it that it came across the radar. Okay. Or even at this time of year, the birth narrative of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Many people who aren't churched will have heard this. This story is a little more hidden. Okay. And it's read in church on Sundays when people might... Not be a church? Might not be a church. Okay. Because, you know, it's that time between Christmas and New Year's and what was the meme I saw this week is we're all full of cheese and have no clue what day it actually is. Yeah, something to the tune of, do I need to eat carrots? Do I need to find a sparkly dress? Where am I? The exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally need to eat a vegetable by this point in the week, right? This yes. is clearly a weird time in life. And so many people don't actually show up on a Sunday. And so the story doesn't get heard as often. And there are a couple of different stories that are read during these weeks in worship that are pretty powerful and that all have to do kind of with this childhood time. Which is not something you get a lot of. There's very, very little of it in all four of our Gospels. Okay. Two of our Gospels don't address it at all. Okay. The Gospel of John has the beautiful prologue, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And Okay. Right? So it has that beautiful prologue, but it never goes into the childhood then of Jesus. It has this cosmic kind of beginning instead. The Gospel of Mark ain't got time for baby okay. Jesus. Gospel of Mark's hitting the ground running as soon as John the Baptist comes on the scene. Okay. And so we don't get anything of that from Mark. So it is Luke and Matthew that address anything that we have of Jesus' lineage and parentage and the story of Mary and Joseph and the stories of Jesus's childhood and experiences all come out of Luke and Matthew. Okay. Matthew kind of leans towards Joseph's side of the story. Oh, interesting. Where you get a little bit more, you get his lineage and you get a little more of him being an agent of effect and change. Okay. And then in the Gospel of Luke, it's very much the women. It's very much Mary and Elizabeth and the women's side. Okay. And this particular story we're going to talk about comes from the Gospel of Luke, second chapter. Jesus is 12. Okay. Where are we geographically at this point? Because they had fled, so Jesus wouldn't be killed by Herod, essentially. Interestingly enough, that's the Gospel of Matthew. Oh, really? Yep. So that's the story that leans more on Joseph's actions, where an angel comes to Joseph and says, take the family and flee to Egypt, get out of Dodge, right? And so the family flees to Egypt, where they stay for a time while all the children within that region under the age of three, I believe, are slaughtered. Okay. And that's the slaughter of the innocents. 
feast day for that is December 28th, mm. if you're curious. So that's in the Gospel of Matthew, where they flee to Egypt. And then they do come back. They are there for some time, okay. and then they return to the region, but they don't go to where Joseph's family is. They go where Mary's family is okay. from, because the region where Joseph's family, even though he is descended from royalty has political things happening that are unsafe for the family. Okay. And so they live where Mary lives, which is Nazareth. Okay. So in Luke then, what does this follow? This follows a presentation in the temple because we're following Mary's journey more than Joseph's. Okay. And so Mary needs to be cleansed and returned to being clean within the community. Okay. And so she goes with the baby and presents the baby at the temple and she is declared clean, and the baby, they make a sacrifice for the baby. And that's where we get Simeon and Anna. Oh, sure. And I believe that we did podcast recordings on them yep, a couple years did. ago. And so we get Simeon and Anna, and then we get the story of them moving back to Nazareth. So now we're in Nazareth, growing. and this is where this particular mm-hmm. story takes place. And this story begins in Nazareth. And what happens is it opens by saying the family had the practice of going to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. Okay. And so Nazareth is up kind of in the north of the region. Okay. Geography-wise, I'm probably going to get the distances wrong, but think of it like if you're a Pacific Northwesterner, Seattle to Portland. Okay. Right. It's the northern city area region-ish, maybe more like Tacoma than Seattle. And then Portland, Jerusalem, people can tell me how horrible that is in their brain if they want, but I just want people to get kind of an idea. Sure. Like Nazareth is north and a tiny smidge east from Jerusalem. So the family would travel down to the city for Passover every year. And Passover, again, typically for us happens around Easter. So we're a little out of season, as it were, when this story comes to us. Sure. Just for a little more context. Yep. So we don't tell the story of Jesus's life in like a linear follow the calendar year. Mm -mm. So the family has this pattern then of going to Jerusalem for the Passover every year. I think that's really interesting to think about when we think about adult Jesus, because adult Jesus coming to Jerusalem for the Passover is a really big event. Mm-hmm. It's something he would have done his entire lifetime, mm-hmm. his entire childhood. And they would have gone as an entire community. Okay. Right. You don't take that kind of a journey with all your kids solo because you're, you're walking, right? There's not like a train or a vehicle. No, you're not all hopping on a bus and riding down. So it's a caravan, a group of people who are walking down together and you know how it is when you have cousins and aunts and everybody and everybody knows everybody and everybody's kids are kind of communal property. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening. The whole group of folks, just like every other year, are going down to Jerusalem for the Passover. And by this point in time, Mary and Joseph have other children. And so Jesus has brothers and sisters. Which is something that still, having grown up Catholic, kind of blows my mind. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. So Mary and Joseph and the gaggle of kids and the whole community head to Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem, they do the Passover feast, and then they're heading back to Nazareth. Okay. Return trip. Return trip. On the way home. Jesus is 12. We know what 12-year-olds are like. Mm -hmm. They should know better. 12-year-old oldest children. 
Mm hmm. Right. With a whole gaggle of younger sibs. Mm hmm. They're the one that who's supposed to be in charge of the younger ones below them. Right. Of course. And responsible. Yes. And all that kind of thing. Okay. So they start their travel. They get a day out of Jerusalem and they realize Jesus isn't with them. I don't even want to turn back if I'm five minutes away from my home. I cannot imagine walking an entire day. It would be so livid. Right? Oh, yeah. I think more than anything, it gave me this moment of deep compassion for Mary and Joseph. Oh, sure. Can you really imagine being the parent of the Son of God? (laughs) Well... I'm not even going that deep. I'm just thinking, oh, the shame you're in the guff you're going to get from the other aunts, uncles, and cousins. Or even just the frustration. Oh, yeah. I can't believe we have to turn back because you couldn't blah, blah, blah. Who are you getting angry with? Like, Mm -hmm. who who got the blame on that one? Mm -hmm. Because you were supposed to have him. No, you were supposed to have him. No, you were supposed to be watching over him. Oh, totally. Right? And I can just imagine this whole scene. And you can really let yourself indulge in that imagination of humanity. Oh, yeah. In that. And family dynamics and community dynamics and... It turns very quickly into an Into the Woods song from Stephen Sondheim. Totally, totally, Mm -hmm. right? So they go back. They go back. So Mary and Joseph go back. I don't think that they pack the kids with them. They don't say anything. So I think that the other kids and everybody else keep going. We don't want to turn back. They're not turning back. We'll take the rest. Exactly. The whole caravan's not going back. Mary and Joseph on their own are going back to find their kid. So they go back to the city. And there's a verse in here that talks about we are filled with anxiety. And uh-huh. just that, have you ever had a kid lost in oh, a storm? Yeah. The abyss of the unknown is terrifying. Right? And mm-hmm. it's been a day's walk out. So you're going to be a day walk back. Mm-hmm. So your 12-year-old's been in the big city alone for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. There was one moment where I was in a, an aquarium with a youth group. That I was responsible uh-huh. for. And now I know why so many like horror movie, child snatching movies take place in aquariums uh-huh. because they create aquariums so that they're dark and have lots of corners. Sure. And, and reflective not, surfaces. Reflective surfaces and not a lot of through lines mm-hmm. where you can keep a clear eye. And I had a kid who was 5,000 feet faster than everybody else in the entire group all the time. And he was so excited to be there that he just took off and I couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. And the fury mm-hmm. and the anger and like, why would you do that? Why and exploring that and saying, oh, this is fear. Yep. A parent yelling at a kid for going missing isn't like a mean parent. Oh, no. There's really not as much anger in there as there just is stark fear. Right? Mm-hmm. So here are Mary and Joseph, parents, full of fear. Come back into Jerusalem, tearing apart the city, looking for this 12-year-old little boy who we have to assume, although, you know, probably a good kid. Sure. If had stayed behind and then when you hear the reveal of how he responded to them, probably a little precocious. Oh, yeah. Right? Just kind of imagining being a part of that holy family. It's not all kittens and cupcakes. No. There's lots of anxiety. There's lots of fear. There's lots of 
challenge and struggle within this family, trying to figure out how to raise and be safe with this kid. Mm -hmm. So they go throughout Jerusalem. They're searching for him everywhere. And they find him. Do you remember where they find him? They find him in the temple? Yeah. He's at the temple teaching the rabbis. Which I got to be honest, last place I'd look for my kid. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Totally. And especially being a smart aleck and telling the teachers things, teaching Mm -hmm. the teachers at 12. Now, admittedly, we are all brilliant at 12. Oh, absolutely. And we know everything. Oh, of course. Right. But Jesus actually might have. So, you know, plot twist on that one. Mm -hmm. He actually does know more than the average person, probably by 12. So they walk up to him and they say, where have you been? We have been sick with worry. Mm -hmm. And why would you do this to me? And Jesus responds with, well, of course, I'm in my father's temple. Where else would I be but in my father's house? Oh, from this point, it would have been the eye roll from the parents would have been epic. (laughs) Right. Of come on. Yeah. And I can't imagine. Like, what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. So they gather him up, they get his things, and they head back to Nazareth. And the scripture says that he became obedient to his parents and grew in years (laughs) and wisdom. Nice. (laughs) That's a pretty glossy fable ending right there. Right? So kids, if you run away, Uh I don't know. It's just this moment in time where we get to see family dynamics Uh a little bit and beyond just the pretty kind of imaginative stuff that we have about the stable and the Uh These are human beings raising kids and living life in this time period, making religious journeys to the holy city and bringing kids back and having a kid misbehave and be a total snot. And yet he's being honest and truthful. Uh It gives an insight. It's just an interesting moment. You think that's its function there? Just to give that family dynamic or is it as much that he was found in the temple that he was preaching that is some sort of foreshadowing i am sure that there are scholars who say all of those things okay and i think it can be all of those things that it is certainly a foreshadowing of what is to come jesus teaching in the temple and he comes back in his 30s and he is teaching in the temple and it gets him killed Mm -hmm. right But in these moments, you have this star pupil, this brilliant young mind, who is still a child misbehaving and not being a great member of a family. Mm -hmm. It does in some ways set up some of the dynamics later down the line where Jesus and his family of origin have some difficulties. Sure. It's not a real easy relationship that he has with his family of origin. So post this story, where do you really see him next? The next time we see Jesus, he is 30 years old. Oh, man, that's a leap. It's a big leap. And so we lose his puberty and his teenage years and all his 20s. Do you think that's just a function of lost to time? The manuscripts aren't there or do you think it's on purpose? There are some found manuscripts that tell more of the story of Jesus's childhood. Okay. That are part of the Dead Sea Scrolls. People can look that up. But 
generally speaking, because his ministry begins at 30 Mm -hmm. and it begins with the John the Baptist baptism in the desert, and then he begins his public ministry at that point, that's where Mark picks up. Uh That's where the Gospel of John picks up. I think Matthew and Luke, which are written between Mark and John, Okay, I think Matthew and Luke are far enough away. Mark was written pretty quick after everything. People may not have been as concerned about remembering where he came from. They really wanted his life and ministry story stuff. That's fair. And so Matthew and Luke then expand on the story. They're writing a little bit more, and they're giving the background of this guy. They're giving him a genealogy, and they're giving him an origin story, and giving precedent to their communities as to why this guy is the Messiah. Okay. So it's not a bad thing that essentially like now, if you had prior social media posts, tweets, texts that somehow get lost to time, <laughs> get a fresh start more than anything get else. Get a fresh start. Yeah. I don't know what, that could have been fun to have a cyber background of Jesus. I mean, people research the life of Jesus all the time. People oh, for sure. centuries have been searching for information about the actual childhood and origin and teenage years and 20s of Jesus and what it would have been like to be him growing up in that region in that time. And there's lots of different suppositions. There's lots of different proposals out there, but sure. we don't have anything concrete. that is really concrete. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, then that's going to lead me to my last question. Is there any aspect of his childhood that you kind of wish was more in the Bible for one reason or another? I wish there was more clarity around his training as a carpenter versus his training as a rabbi. Mm, So you don't need the pimple popping Jesus. You're just going to go right to more the young adult. Well, I think that he probably would have started trade school like as a teenager, right? But did he do trade school or did he study as a in rabbinical school? Did mm-hmm. he, when did he, what was his process to becoming a rabbi? And how did that happen? And who did he study with? But he's known as a carpenter. So as Joseph's son, where was his apprenticeship? And sure. what, how do the two of those mix? Exactly. And mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I, I find that interesting, especially considering he has such a grasp on agricultural metaphor mm-hmm. that, you know, there's not a lot of carpentry metaphor. No, in not the even parables, remotely. Mm-mm. Right? It's speaking to the people in agriculture. It's not, you know, when you're building a door, you put this. Exactly. You know, there's like, you know. There's no talk of mullions and. Right. There's, you know, a story or two about building a house. But yeah, I just wonder where he spent his time and how he did that. Len Sweet. My mentor for my doctorate program talked about how the gifts from the wise men, Uh which come in Matthew, would have afforded them the capacity to flee to Egypt. Okay. Right? The gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. Sure, sure. Would have been enough to get them to Egypt and then would have been enough to get Jesus a really good education. And what kind of a dynamic that would set in the family uh-huh. for Jesus to have had that foundation to have that level of education. Oh, that's a fascinating and thing so, to ponder. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think wondering more about that. Was Jesus just the son of a carpenter? And mm-hmm. so he knew some stuff about wood and was kind of okay at it, but was really trained as a rabbi? Mm-hmm. 
And that's why we see him in the temple at 12, blowing everybody's minds because he was just a really brilliant mind about the theology. Or did he primarily study with his father? Like, how did that all work together? Work. Mm-hmm. So for now, that's where my curiosity lies. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about this tiny glimpse into Jesus as a 12-year-old. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening and joining along. If you have a wondering about the life and childhood of Jesus, what would you want to know? We would love to hear from you on our Facebook page or by email at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>